In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, <coughs> I was traveling uh, one time um, uh, outside of the U.S. for work, and actually in, in one of the workplaces I saw the sign there. Um, it was actually in one of the bathrooms. Um, and it said, if you choose to smoke here, you choose not to work here. And it was it was actually very profound yani, when I thought about it. So usually what you see is, you know, signs that says no smoking or thank you for not smoking or stuff like that. But this was a very profound message that it's a choice, right? If you choose to break the law, that's fine. But you choose not to be working here because you're breaking the law of, of the workplace here. And, um, you know, in, in, in our life, everything is a choice. And we, we make a choice in whatever it is that we want to do, whether it's, it's a good thing or a bad thing. Life is basically a series of choices that, that we go through. Um, so <coughs> um, we make choices every year. Like supposedly and at the beginning of the year, we usually have like a, a New Year's resolution, right? Which you usually break like, you know, on January 2nd or something. Um, which which means that those resolutions that we make are not realistic, right? So that's yeah, it's something that to think about when you when you are trying to set a goal, the goal should be something realistic, and we can talk about like setting goals. That's uh, you know a whole um, understanding of how to set a goal. It has to be measurable. It has to be realistic. It has to be, you know, you have to have like a, a timeline for it. Um, but we make a choice. We make a choice every month that we want to do something. We make a choice every day. I'm going to do this today. We make a choice every hour. I'm going to focus on this on this item. Um, so when we make those choices, those choices define us. Like I'm making a choice to, masalan, uh, go to church today, okay, uh, and come to you know to, to the ark. I've made a choice. So this is going to define what I'm trying to do today, and this this definition will influence me. So now that I have made a choice that I'm coming to church today to attend a parenting meeting, then I'm going to have a mindset and this is going to influence, influence me and it's going to guide my path and it's going to describe me. So at the end of this, I am somebody who is interested in making sure that I learn how to you know, parent my kids, for example. And we always have like a positive and a negative choice to make in everything that we do in, in life. There's always a positive and negative choice. So I can choose meekness. Um, I can choose to be, uh, you know, gentle and meek, or I could choose self-righteousness. Those are two choices, right? One of them is positive, one of them is negative. I could choose to be merciful, or I could choose to be cruel. It's a choice. I could choose to be patient or I could choose to be intolerant. So a situation is in front of me and I could choose I'm going to be patient with this situation or I could choose I won't be and I'm not going to tolerate this. And the core, I could choose to love or I could choose to hate. So, you know, love is, is the greatest of all virtues. If I choose to love, actually, then all of I will choose all of the positive choices. If I choose not to love, then all of the negative choices will be easy for me to, to choose. And the negative choices actually harm us 
like the person who's making the choice more than they harm you know the, the person um, you know, the, the other person like if I choose to hate uh, maybe I think that if I choose to hate then the other person is the one who's getting hurt but actually it's me who's getting hurt this hatred grows within me and, and eats away at my soul and I become a very hateful person and a very angry person and vengeful and intolerant on, on all of these things if I choose to be intolerant then this makes me lose my peace because I can't tolerate whatever people say. I can't tolerate what they do because I have made that choice. Th so these choices define us as well. So as we think about making these choices, um, these choices will improve, um, will improve our life. And so we can choose to learn from our mistakes and improve ourselves. We can choose to improve our knowledge through learning and, thr and improve our service and improve our parenting. This is a choice that we make. Or <coughs> we can choose the opposite, to be a stumbling block. I don't want to learn. I don't want to improve. I don't want to uh, you know, uh, be a better person. Um, I can review my choice and see where I made a mistake. This is part of improving, a part of learning. Um, so I can accept, reprimand, and discover new visions. This may be one of the more difficult things um, in, in making a choice. Um, in, in, in the book of Proverbs, I, I, I'll paraphrase because I don't remember the exact phrasing, but S Solomon says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Rebuke a fool and he will hate you. Right? So a wise person will accept rebuke. He will accept reprimand. Why? Because he feels that this will help him, that this will help him grow, will, will help him improve. So if a wise man comes and he does something not 100%, and I come to him and I say in, in, in a loving way, forgive me, um, you know, I think this thing can be done better this way. Taban, there's also wisdom in the way that we, you know, offer the advice. A wise man will accept it and say thank you. A foolish man will say, what, are you trying to teach me? You think you're better than me? You think you know more than I do, right? So a wise person, he will accept to reprove because he wants to grow and he wants to improve. And he wants to improve, of course, his spiritual life. Or the other side, we can continue in our error. Don't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I know better than you. Or even worse, I know this is wrong. I want to do it anyway, right? In, uh, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the Lord said, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. What is the blasphemy against the Spirit? Can somebody tell me? What do you think the blasphemy against the, the Holy Spirit is? Because this verse is important and many people like confuse the understanding of it. Even if you don't know, can somebody contemplate? What do you think it means? Yes. what's right okay knowing what's right and choosing to do what what's wrong basically okay that's that's part of it what else there's a very profound understanding of blasphemy again let me let me ask you do you think blasphemy against the holy spirit is like saying heresies against the godhead of the holy spirit do you think that's what the lord meant here 
No, because he's able to forgive that. Yeah. So blasphemy against the what is the what is the what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Like what's the function of the Holy Spirit? not believing or trusting in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And what is the biggest fruit of the Holy Spirit? Or what is the biggest function of the Holy Spirit? Love, kindness, uh, self-control. All of these fruits. Right. But what is what is the core work of the Holy Spirit? To guide you to the to the right decisions and the right choices. More than that. Yes, that is that's part of it. The function of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify us and to unite us with Christ, right? This is the main function of the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to be sanctified and united with, the with, with Christ, with God, what do we have to get rid of? Sins. And how do we do that? By repentance. And who forgives sins? God, through the work of the Holy Spirit. So... Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, in, in very simple terms, I know I'm a sinner. I know this is a sin. I don't want to repent. That's basically it. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I, I choose not to be redeemed. I choose not to be forgiven. I know this is a sin. Leave me alone. I want to live in sin. That's why he says... This cannot be forgiven, not because I cannot forgive it, but it's your choice not to be forgiven. God will never force himself upon us, right? If they repent, yes. Yes. Even even at the last moment, God will accept you. The, the, the right hand thief repented on the cross, on his deathbed, basically, right? Um, so as long as there is repentance God will always forgive but if somebody dies in his sin he knows he's a sinner and he's like I know I don't want to repent and, and this happens you know sometimes some of, you know some of the servants some of the priests they go and speak to somebody and they're like Abuna leave me alone like I know this is wrong but leave me alone I, I want to live like this okay I, I cannot do anything something I heard about the difference between heaven and hell is who tells whom thy will be done so in heaven, the, the people tell God, thy will be done. In hell, God tells the people, thy will be thy done. Thy will be done. Y it's your choice, right? It's your choice. If we choose not to be with God, this, this, by the way, is the sin of Adam. It wasn't just eating of the tree. The sin of Adam was a choice. God told him, you have all of this entire garden. Imagine you, know, you, you walk into a garden of fruits. It's got every kind of fruit you can think of and some you, don't even, you can't even think of, right? And God says you can eat of all of these except this one little tree, just leave it alone. And what do we do? We go for that one that he says leave it alone and we want to eat. It's a choice. It's a choice not to accept God, therefore there's no forgiveness. In, in we'll take some examples of, of you know, some, some practical things. In our speech, we can have a choice to have positive speech or negative speech, right? Um, we can choose to either build and encourage others or we can choose to discourage. It's a choice. Um, we can choose to speak words of the scripture, you know, the words of God, or we can choose to speak words of the world. I remember one time... Um, I was speaking with somebody, and um, 
you know, typically when we're talking, I, you know, I, I, I remember like words of from the Bible or, or words that I read or something like that. And this person after a while said, every time you talk to me, you keep saying, you know, you keep quoting the Bible and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, because this is the best thing that we can talk about, right? We, we can talk about all these other things. It's fruitless. But if we talk about God, that's, that's you know, that, that has value. So we can choose words that bear fruit. We can say things that will help others. Or we can choose to use words that will destroy. St. Paul says in Colossians, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Seasoned with salt. That means choose, you know, with wisdom what to say, like, like, like the example that we said. You can reprove somebody, you can try to correct them, but seasoned with salt in, in, a, in a good way. And he will accept it if he's a wise person. Your, your message could be 100%, but if you give it in a negative way, the person will not accept it, right? Uh, St. James, I, I, I like this verse very much. Actually, the chapter 3 of the epistle to St. James, I encourage all, yeah, all of us to read it, and I encourage you to teach it to your children. Um, I, I did that with, with my children. Like We read it several times every day, every day for like two weeks or three weeks until they, like they learned it. It's a beautiful. The whole epistle of St. James is beautiful, but chapter 3 is, is, uh, is very beautiful. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. It's true. Out of the same mouth, we come to the church, we praise, we pray, we sing hymns, uh, we read the Bible, and out of the same mouth, we say bad things, right? And we, we get angry and curse and yell at our kids and stuff like that. And St. James is like, this, it, it shouldn't happen this way. And, and he goes on in, in the same epistle, and he says, you know, can, can, uh, can a spring of water bring out both sweet water and, and, and sour water or, or salty water, it doesn't happen, right? You either get a sweet spring or you get, you know, a sour spring. It's a choice that we make. The choice is about prayers. Very simply, we could choose to pray or we choose not to pray. It's a choice. Um, I remember, you know, Abu Nadawud Lamai. I'm sure most of us have heard of him. He was talking one time, and he was contemplating about fasting. And he said, you know, uh, you know, fasting is a beautiful time, especially like the great fast. Uh, fasting is, is like the, the honeymoon of, of, of the church, you know, every year. And then he said something yani, very kida, uh, nice, and I knew when I heard it that people will, will misunderstand it. But he said, in, in our church, we don't have anything by compulsion. We don't compel people to do one thing or another. And it, it's, a, it's a choice. You can choose to fast or you choose not to fast. And if you choose not to fast, you are like um, depriving yourself of the blessing. You're depriving yourself of the, um, uh, you know, the, uh, all of the, the beautiful virtues that you will gain by fasting. And of course, people took this and I, I knew right away, you know, not not long after that, somebody came to me and he said, "I heard of one of the I said, "We don't have to fast, right?" Took it, take it out of context, and just yeah, and he translated the way that he wants. But actually, it's a choice, right? It's a choice. We can choose to pray, or we can choose not to pray. In in the Old Testament, if people did not keep the commandments, they were punished, right? You you read in the book of Deuteronomy and the book of, of Leviticus all of these rules and and guidelines and regulations. 
and if he doesn't do this, he gets stoned, and if he doesn't do this, he's punished, and he's exiled, and all of these things. In the New Testament, we don't do that, right? But what happens? The person is cut off. He chooses to cut himself off from God. He chooses to cut himself off from communion. He chooses to cut himself off from the congregation of the church. It's a choice. So we can choose to pray or not to pray. We can choose to fast or not to fast. We can choose to pray for the world, for tribulations, for diseases, especially you know nowadays with these plagues and, 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 and things like that. We can choose to pray for our shepherds, <coughs> for our rulers, for the physicians that are fighting diseases. We can choose to pray for servants and preachers, or we can instead, the choice about our time for prayer, we can use it to chat and gossip and yak and waste time, judge others, and endanger our spirituality and eternity. Sometimes some people think that when they talk about the church, they're talking about God. And typically when they talk about the church, they're talking about things they don't like about the church, like today the sermon was too long or you know the, hy- the, the deacons chanted too many hymns or the microphones were not working. And they think that they're talking about God. You're, you're not. You're, you're, you're gossiping. Look at this in First Peter chapter 4. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. St. Peter is putting at the same level of being a busybody, the same level as murderers and thieves and evildoers. So it's, it's a big problem. It's a big problem because of all these things. We, we judge others, we waste time, we endanger our, sp- our spirituality. Who remembers where this quote is from? Which movie is that? You must choose, but choose wisely. It's an old movie. That's a very good movie. I'll give you a hint. It was Harrison Ford. He, ma- he made three movies with the same same name. No? <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's a beautiful movie. I love that movie. And he w- he was looking for the for the Holy Grail for the cup of Christ, and he uh, all the way at the end when he got into the cave, there was the, the Last Crusade, the last night there. And um, there's all of these cups that are laid out. And he's not going to tell him which cup is the real cup of Christ. But he tells him, you must choose, but choose wisely, right? And then one guy, he, t- he, he was looking for, he's expecting like the, the cup of Christ. So it must be like beautiful and, and precious. So he found like a golden one with pearls and stuff like that. And he said, this must be it. And then he took it, he drank from it, and he died. And then Indiana Jones is like, it was the cup of a carpenter, and he found a, um, a wooden cup, and that was the right cup. So the, the knight told the first guy, you have chosen foolishly. And then he told Indiana Jones, you have chosen, chosen wisely. So the choices that we make, you know, we, we make in our lives. So you have chosen wisely. Let's take a look at some examples of people who have chosen wisely. We know the story of, of Moses, right? When he was born and the king wanted to kill all of the children and all of that. So most people at that time, what did they choose? They chose to live in fear. And they chose to wail and weep over their children that are dead or that are going to be killed. But one woman chose differently. And that was Jochebed, 
the mother of Moses. She made a different choice. She chose to find a way to protect her son, even if she didn't have the plan 100% figured out, but she knew she had to do something. So she made that choice. Instead of sitting around and weeping and mo uh, mourning and you know just waiting for my son to die, I'm going to do something. I'm making a choice, right? I'm going to do what I can, and then I'm going to allow God to work, right? We, we can imagine that when she was building this, um, you know, this, this little ark that she built for her son and putting her son in it and leaving it in the, in the river, that most of us would say, this is crazy, right? But she said, this is what I can do, right? This is my ability. I, this is as much as I can you know, do to protect my son. And the rest is up to God. So she made that choice. I am going to do what I can and then pray to God to protect my son. Joseph the righteous, we all know his story, right? He chose to see God in every situation. We can, you know, I, I love the story of Joseph because at the time of Joseph, was there the Ten Commandments? Joseph was before Moses. So there were no Ten Commandments. There was no covenant. There was no, like, you know, written down or even, you know, uh, strong teachings, right, about purity and about things like that. Aside from the fact that he is a foreigner and he's a slave and he's a youth and he's not married, like, if he committed the sin, most of us would have, most of us would have sympathized and said he has many uh, excuses. But he chose not to. And he told the woman, how can I commit the sin before God? He made a choice. And he chose to flee. And he chose not to try to defend himself. You know, he could have, when, 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 uh, you know, when the woman accused him, I'm sure he could have defended himself. And if they investigated, they probably would have found that he was innocent. And if this woman did that with him, she probably did it before or and after him, right? This was her nature. But he chose to just leave everything with God. We can imagine that if Joseph had said, and by the way, at the beginning of all of this, he chose to be silent when he was being sold by his brethren. Because who has the right to sell a slave, an owner of a slave, right? But when he was being sold, if he had opened his mouth and said, I am their brother, they would not have sold him. They would the, the Ishmaelites would not have bought him because they, his brothers don't have the authority to sell him. He's not a slave. But he chose to remain silent and just let God take care of everything. We can imagine that in each one of these situations, if he chose to speak up, if he chose to defend himself, yes, he, he probably would have went back with his brethren uh, to, his, uh, to his father's house and just lived a, a normal life. Or in Egypt, if he chose to defend himself, he would have been released from prison and probably you know, released from slavery and he would have just you know, lived in Egypt, right? Or maybe tried to go back to his, but he said, God, I am choosing to leave everything in your hand. And God said, that's fine. I'm going to make this worthwhile. And we saw what happened with Joseph. He became the savior of the whole world. That's why Joseph is uh, like an anti-type of Christ, right? He became the savior of the whole world. People who have chosen poorly are Mother Eve. 
So when the woman saw, so it began with a desire, began with a sight, choose. She saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, this is a desire, and a, a tree desirable to make one wise. She took, this is the action, of, of its fruit and ate. It was a choice. She made a choice. I see this and I want it. And so she acted upon this choice. Lot, the nephew of Abraham. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Lot made a choice. I see this land, it's green, it's fertile, it's good for business. Yes, I know it is in Sodom. Yes, I know it's a place that is not good and these people are not God-fearing, but I'm making a choice to go live there. And, you know, we may think Lot made a bad choice, but we make those choices a lot, right? We may have two options in front of us. One of them is, you know, it's an okay option, but maybe, you know, we're, we're choosing where to go work or where to go live. So it's, it's an okay option, <coughs> but it's close to the church, um, but it's okay. But there's a, you know, a better opportunity, maybe paying more or a, in, a, in a nicer area of the country or whatever, but it's far away from the church. There's no church. I can't take my kids. And how many of us would, would choose the second one? Because, you know, even though it's Sodom, it's green and, and it's fertile. The rich young ruler <coughs> whom, uh, who went to the Lord and asked him, what should I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he told him, he told him what, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me carrying your cross. What was the choice that he made? But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He made a choice that this is not something that I'm, I'm ready to do. By the way, this is the same verse that years later, another man, his name was Anthony, heard in the church, not from the mouth of the Lord, but from the mouth of a deacon or a priest who was reading the gospel. The same words, go sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me carrying your cross. Anthony made the choice to answer the call and he went and sold everything and went into the wilderness and became Saint Anthony, the father of all monks. Whereas the rich man who heard it from the Lord himself made a choice not to follow it. Saint Paul tells his disciple Saint Timothy about one of the disciples that he had, his name was Demas. He said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So here we have a disciple of Saint Paul who was working with Saint Paul, who was serving with Saint Paul, and then at some point he made a choice, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I, uh, I'm choosing a different path. I'm, I'm tired of this. We'll take a look at, um, you know, a, a situation from the recent history and see, you know, whether the choices actually work. Can somebody read instead of me, like, talking the whole time? Any volunteers? Or we can pick somebody. No volunteers. The U.S. came close to battling North Korea. 
Defense Secretary William Perry was briefing the President on potential options. One of his best options was the strategic bombing of Korea's nuclear facility. Sometime, some things Perry believed would be successful but likely to cause an all-out war. He chose to, to hold off on sharing that plan. A few days later, a breakthrough occurred and a peaceful settlement was reached. So, sometimes making a choice to just wait a little bit can actually work. Here we have, like, we could have been at war with North Korea, but this man, God put some wisdom in his, in his mind that he, he, he said, let's just wait a little bit and see what happens. So making choices, yes, it, it can work. So does it work? We, we look at two people who are in the same situation, the two thieves on the cross, right? The right-hand thief chose to believe, and he said, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And the left-hand thief said what? If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. They both made a choice. One person, his choice led him to the kingdom. The other person, his choice led him to perdition. Same situation, same people, similar people, but they made two different choices. Two disciples, they both betrayed. St. Peter went out and whipped bitterly, and he was accepted. And Judas departed and went and hanged himself. Similar situation, they both betrayed their master. One of them chose to repent, and one of them chose to give up and, and, and have despair. Um, some time ago, there was somebody at, at work who was like bothering me. Um, and and it, it came to the point where like I was distressed every time I go to work because this person, <coughs> you know, every, every time I see them, I, you know, I, I get bothered every time I talk to them. And of course you're at work, you, you have to interact with people, right? And then one day I chose that I'm not gonna let this bother me anymore. I just, I made a choice. Like I said, this, this cannot continue like this. From now on, I'm not gonna let this person bother me anymore. Did it work? Sometimes, you know, sometimes it worked. Sometimes it, I was still you know, under, under stress. Um, but eventually I started to become immune to this problem and eventually it went away. But it started with a choice, right? So, you know, even if we make a choice to, to, to take an action, even if it doesn't work 100% of the time, you know, let's not, you know, lose hope and say, well, you know, you know, it's not working. I give up. No, keep at it. Like, if we choose um, to fast, make a choice that we're going to fast, okay? The fast comes, we start you know, strong, you know, the first week, and then we fall and we break our fast for whatever reason. Does this mean that we just give up and say, khalas No, we, we get up, we repent, and, and we try again. If we choose to live, you know, the, uh, the, the life of repentance or the life of purity, and we fall, it doesn't mean that we give up. We, we need, you know, we need to get up again. Um, 
in, in the book of Proverbs, it says a righteous man falls how many times? Seven times. A righteous man. It's not saying Gerges Gad. It's saying a righteous man. Who's a righteous man? Like St. Anthony, right? So if St. Anthony falls down seven times, it's okay if I fall 700 times. I'm not a righteous man. A saint falls seven times, but then the rest of the verse says what? And he gets up. So if I make a choice and I fall, it's okay. Get up and, and, and start over again. It, so this was all to give us an idea about like making choices. Now when we uh, talk, we'll talk a little bit about parenting. Can we make choices in parenting? And can we give our kids a chance to make choices? Um, so there are four parenting styles that, that we'll talk about. And two of them give us high expectations, two of them give us low expectations, and then there's also the response. There's one side that is non-responsive and the other side is responsive. So if we look at them uh, counterclockwise, so we have the authoritarian style. Um, this gives us high expecta uh, expectations, but it's non-responsive. And then the uninvolved style, and then the permissive style, and then the balance. So we'll, we'll talk about each one of these. So the author authoritarian is like the boss, right? Like, I say so, right? Do it the way I tell you or else. Uh, this is, most people follow this, especially Egyptians, right? Egyptian men, especially, right? You know, this we, we use the authoritarian, Anababa. Actually, this is, you know, I do that to my kids all the time. And, and now, like, every time they say, you know, why are we doing this? And um, uh, before I say it, they say, because you're Baba, you know? So they, they already know. <laughs> this, is, this is the method that most Egyptian men use, you know? The uninvolved, this is like giving up. Like, you know, I don't care what you do. Just leave me alone. Do whatever you want to do. Um, the permissive, this is the friend, like do what makes you happy. And then the balanced, this is the friendly boss where you give choices within limits. And of course, as, as we'll see, this is the best um, style. So let's talk about each one of them, the authoritarian or the boss. This is the, the parent is in control, right? So obedience and the, the goal is to reach high expectations. Do this and do this and do this. And if you do all of these things, then you know, there's uh, this, this will give you value. Why? Because I know what's best for you. Because I am Baba. I am Dad. I know, right? I have experience. Listen to me. All of that is right, of course, right? Um, and then there are consequences, right? If you don't do it, then you'll be in trouble. So what happens to the kids when they are in this, in this style is that they become afraid of Baba, right? Because... If I don't do what he's telling me to do, I'm going to be in trouble. He's going to yell at me. He's going to scold me. He's going to punish me. There are obviously benefits to this. The kids typically perform well in school because they're being told you have to study. I, I remember, you know, when I was young, you know, my, my dad's rule was um, you either um, study or you eat or you sleep. Those were the three choices, right? So I ate a lot. And I slept a lot because I didn't want to study, right? But those were the three. There was no, like, TV or there were no phones back then or anything like that. But those were the three choices. So, of course, you know, the, the obvious choice is you study, right? 
Um, and you avoid getting in trouble because these kids are typically very disciplined because they, they follow like a strict, you know, uh, protocol. So they learn that at home. So when they go to school, they, they follow the protocol, right? And they typically excel at skills that require focus and discipline. You find this especially like in the Asian kids, right? Um, in, in the schools, you find like the Asian kids, they're always excelling. They're like straight A students. They're very organized. They're very um, uh, focused, right? Because their parents follow, you know, this is a very strict uh, parenting style that uh, most of the Asian parents follow, right? What are some of the down, uh, downsides? Eventually, the kids could rebel. Um, if there's, you know, too much of this, they feel the pressure. So at some point, usually like in their teenage years, they start, they start to rebel. And then it, it forms poor relationships with the parents because the, the parent is always yelling or always demanding or always uh, overbearing. Um, so there is no, like, love connection, right? There is no mutual, um, you know, feeling of, of love. Yes, there is respect, but it's lacking love. Um, they can also develop low self-esteem because they feel that, you know, I'm always doing something wrong, therefore, you know, what's wrong with me, right? And they are not able to make their own decisions because they're told what to do. You must do this. You must, do you must study. You must go to medical school. That's another one with, with Egyptian parents, right? I was talking to um, uh, one, uh, one student uh, last week. And uh, she was very stressed about, like, where, you know, what to study, where to go to school. And um, she was telling me, well, you know, um, I'm thinking about either medicine or nursing. And I started to ask her, I'm like, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to, like, you know, um, figure out diseases and diagnose and stuff like that? Or do you want to, like, take care of patients? Because those are, like, two different disciplines, right? And she's like, well, I want to take care of patients you know I want to uh, help people I said well then you should do nursing but my parents told me I have to do medical okay happens all the time right this the, the second style is the uninvolved this is a very bad one this is no guidance no punishment no rewards just do whatever right um, the parents are detached and uninterested like you see in the picture there, like the girl is trying to get her dad's attention to review the homework or something, and he's like, you know, leave me alone. I want to check my email or something, right? Um, so in, in this style, the parents provide the basic necessities, like, yes, th there's food and shelter and, and a bed and all of that. They take care of the kids. But then anything else th they don't want to be involved with. Um, so there's rejection and neglect. The, f the kids feel that they're neglected. They feel that they are rejected. They feel that um, my parents don't care. I'm not important. Um, <coughs> I remember a story I read uh, some time ago. Um, a father, he's, he's very busy um, with work always. And so, you know, when he comes home, his, his son, you know, always waits to spend some time with him, but the father is always busy. So one day, um, <coughs> the son comes to the father, and he says, Dad, how much do you, do you get paid an hour? 
and the, the father was annoyed at this question. Like, why are you asking me this? And he started to yell at his son, you know, go back, go to your room. This is not an appropriate question to ask. And he yelled at him. And the, the son went away sad. And then when he calmed down, you know, and, and he said, you know, my son is actually a good boy and, you know, he usually doesn't ask questions like this. So he went to try to, like, you know, make up with his son and hug him and stuff like that. And he, he asked him, you know, why do you want to know? And the son said, I just wanted to know. So he told him, you know, let's say, for example, $20 an hour, something like that. And the days go by, the days go by, and the weeks go by. And then one day, uh, the father comes home, and the son goes to his father, and he has $20 with him. And he said, I asked you how much do you make an hour so I can buy one hour from your time and I've gathered $20, and can you please like spend one hour with me? Um, it's, of course, I think the message hits home, right? That the kids, they, they want to spend time with us. They, they, they um, cherish this time. I know that, like, with my kids, you know, um, we started... Um, a tradition many, uh, you know, s some time ago, that we always pray together at night. And when I'm traveling, sometimes my daughter will tell me, call me on the phone and we'll pray together on the phone. And, and to her, that is very valuable, that, that we spend that time together, even, even if we're far away. So being involved in our kids' life is more precious than giving them money and buying them toys and clothes and stuff like that to them. These kids tend to be rebellious, of course, because they feel their, their parents don't care. They're irresponsible. They, they perform poorly in school, and actually their parents don't seem to care. Um, and they show signs of emotional stress. Um, usually, this happens especially when both parents are working and they don't have time to spend with their kids. Um, I think it was maybe Abuna Dawood Lamai, or maybe it was Abuna Tadros Malati, I don't remember. He, t he told the story, I think it was Abuna Tadros Malati, um, that he um, visited a family, I think it was in, in, in the US somewhere in California, um, and he knew this family from Egypt. <coughs> and, um, you know, w when he visited them, um, he found that the kids, like, they don't, they're disconnected. Like, they didn't come to say hi to Abuna, they didn't kiss his hand. Like, they, like, they don't even recognize that there's a priest or anything. And that was different from, like, when they were younger in Egypt. So he spoke with the family, and, and he asked, like, what's going on? And the, the woman said, well, I started working. And so because I started working, I'm not spending time with them, I'm not teaching them. So she recognized the, the, the problem right away. And she said, um, and, and he asked them, like, do you really have to work? And she said, well, not really, but, you know, it's helpful or whatever. And then she said, you know, I, I see the problem. So I promise you by the time that you come next year, this will be different. And so she focused on her kids. And the next time that Abuna went to visit them, the kids were completely different and, you know, um, like 180 degree difference. Um, spending time with our kids is, is monumental. If we go back to the story of Moses, 
what happened with Moses. After the, the, the princess, Pharaoh's daughter, found him, and then uh, her, his, his sister, Miriam, t told her, do you, do you want me to find like a nurse for him? And she said, yes. So she, she called the, the, the Moses' mother. So the princess allowed Moses to go live with his mother, right, until he is weaned. So this is maybe a year or something, right? A year, two years at the, at the max. And then she took him back to the palace. Moses' mother only had those two years to teach him. But those two years created the foundation upon which Moses the prophet became later on. During these two years, she taught him worship. She taught him God. She taught him the hymns. She taught him all of these things, even though he was young, but she laid the foundation. And so when we, s when we, when we look at the story 40 years later, when he was walking about and he saw two people, you know, one, one person, you know, um, uh, being um, uh, uh, wrong, wrongfully treated, he knew this was wrong. And he knew that he was a Hebrew, and so he defended the Hebrew. The way that he, he defended is wrong, this is a, a different story. But the point is, in those two years, she was able to not just feed him you know, milk, but she fed him the faith. Um, St. Paul praises his disciple, St. Timothy, um, in, in his uh, second epistle, and he tells him what? Because of the faith that was first in your grandmother and in your mother, right? Because they taught him the faith, even though he was a Jew, and St. Paul had to correct his, you know, his understanding or complete his understanding. But the time that he spent with his mother and his grandmother and they taught him the faith, this was very important. It's, it's, it's very important for you know, the females to make sure that, that you know, we teach our kids about God and about faith. The third um, style is the permissive or the friend. And this is probably even worse than the, the um, uh, uninvolved. Why? Because here we're just trying to make the child happy, right? We're meeting his desires, the desires of the moment. So there are few rules and routines and usually not enforced. Like you should pray. But he doesn't pray. Okay, uh, you should you should go to church. You should study. You know, very few, and there should, not shall, right? And you know, maybe enforced once and and not n n not most of the time. So the children feel that they are free. They could do whatever they want, and they have many choices. And there's no expected behavior. You know, there's no expectation like, you know, this is the way that you should act. And so the, the thing that people say, well, I love my child. I take care of my child. So they accept the child in a, in a loving way, regardless of the behavior. And this, this is where it hurts. <laughs> I remember uh, one time we were at a kid's um, you know, a birthday pool party. And there was this boy who was like acting up and, and like you know, fighting with the other kids and stuff like that. And then you know, at, at one point, like he took like some of the pool toys and he just broke them. Just out of spite, like, you know, for no reason. So I was, you know, I was, I was like, you know, patient, patient, patient. 
until he did this, I was like, that's it, you know. So I, I, I spoke to him and I said, I need you to go tell your mother that you broke the, the pool toys, right? So he goes, so I, first he was a little resistant, and then I said, no, you have to go do that. So he went to his mother, and he told her, I, I broke the pool toys. So what do you think the mother did? Yeah, it's okay. And then I, I, like I, can, um, I can hear because I'm like close by, but I'm trying not to get involved. And then so she, t she tells the other ladies, Haram, he, he came so sad and so distressed that he broke the pool toys. It's okay. <laughs> what have you taught him? First of all, if I didn't tell him to go tell her, he wouldn't have told her, right? And then when he goes to tell her, she's like, it's okay. This is, this is not discipline. This is not parenting. This is this permissive style. Like, it's okay. Do, do what you want. Later on, he's going to break, you know, uh, something precious in the house, and she's going to say it's okay. And later on, he's going to break, like, the car, and she's going to say it's okay. And later on, he's going to break her, <laughs> and she's going to say it's okay. Some of the potential benefits is these kids have high self-esteem because they, they feel like they can do whatever they want, and they do have good social skills, and they do have low depression, and they're creative, yes, because they, they have freedom, but they typically perform poor in school. Why? Because there's no challenges, and, and they don't have to follow the rules. Um, they have problems following the rules. Um, they alienate people by overstepping boundaries because they did not learn boundaries, and so they, they have no problem stepping over other people's boundaries and taking people's stuff, right? Taking their toys, taking their, their stuff, taking their lunch, right? Th some of them become bullies, the school bullies. Why? Because they feel they can do whatever they want. The last one, and this is, you know, really the right one, uh, is the balance. This is the friendly boss. So there is boss, but it's friendly. Teaching, decision-making, and finding a balance between personal happiness and accomplishment. So how do we do that? We provide expectations, clear, reasonable expectations. This is important. When we tell them this is what we expect, this needs to be something that's reasonable. Like we don't go and say, I expect you to be a doctor when he's still in elementary school. That's not reasonable. That's not achievable, right? But I can say, I expect you to do well in school. I expect, you know, A's and B's, or even straight A's, right? There's an expectation. But it's reasonable. It's reachable. It's measurable. That's also important. If I just say, I want you to do good in school, what does that mean, good in school? Is a C good, right? C is good. It's better than F, right? <laughs> um, but if I set a measure, like I want you to get A's, and even if he gets A's and a B, Here's again the, the Egyptian gene, right? What happened to what happened to the B, right? But I got like ten A's. Yes, that's good. What happened to the B? Why did you get a B? And and then kids get what low self-esteem. I c I can never win. I can never do it. Even I got ten A's, but I got one B, and that's not good enough. Um, explain why we expect the children to behave. Okay. We behave because, and this is very important, because we are Christians, not because we are Egyptians. 
this is a big pitfall that many parents fall into. In Egypt, we didn't do this. Well, guess what? We're not in Egypt, right? That's the default answer that the kids will give. But you don't say, you say, as Christians, we don't do this. The Bible teaches us to behave this way. Then they can't refute that because we are Christians and we follow the Bible. But not because tradition or because of uh, culture or because in our, you know, no, we have to give them a solid, uh, you know, uh, measuring stick to, to, to look at. And then we have to monitor their behavior in a warm and loving manner. This is also important. Don't just say, I want you to, go to do good in school. I want you to get A's. And then don't even talk to them until the end of the year. Don't even check the report or anything. And then at the end of the year, they've got like B's and C's. And, and then, of course, you, you, know, you, you, you blow the top off and you start yelling and screaming. And how come? Well, you, you didn't pay attention during the whole year. You didn't see when I was struggling with math or with science or history, and you're coming to me at the end of the year and upset because I didn't meet your expectations. So we have to monitor behavior, but we have to monitor it in a warm and loving manner. They're going to make mistakes. Kids are going to make mistakes, right? Any of us not make a mistake when we were kids? <laughs> I made many mistakes, right? I still make mistakes now, right? So... We shouldn't expect that our kids are, are like, you know, Einsteins and, and, and angels, right? And they're kids at the end, okay? But, you know, we, we need to have, you know, this boundary um, where we can allow, you know, things to happen. And, and also, like, not pick on every little thing. So I, I remember um, a, uh, a parent one time, we were in the, um, um, one of the... Um, picnics that we have I think it was either Christmas or Easter and there was a child uh, a child and he was wearing his pants inside out okay and I know his parents and her, her, her his parents are you know very well organized and focused and all these things and so I'm talking with them and we're talking about you know ma many different things and enjoying the time and then at one point I said I, I know you know that you know your son is wearing his pa his pants inside out and she laughed and she said, yes, I know. And I said, like, you know, did you, like, try to talk to him? Or, And she said, you know, this is such a small thing. You know, I did tell him you should wear it, you know, right side out. and But he said he wants to wear it uh, inside out. So I kind of let it go. It's, a, it's such a small thing that I'm not going to fight over this. And... I know when he comes and he sees all his friends wearing their pants right, you know, next time he's not going to wear it inside out. So it's okay. I, you know, I let it go. So not everything we have to pick on. You know, we have to choose the, the important things. It's okay. He wears his pants inside out once. He's not going to do it again, right? But if it becomes a habit, that's a different story, right? Um, Mistakes are used as a chance to teach lessons. This is also important. Um, we should allow our kids to make mistakes at home. We should allow our kids to make mistakes at home. Because when they make mistakes at home, we can help them. I told, you know, I told my kids, no matter what you do, come tell me. It doesn't matter what it is. Come tell me. Because I can help you fix it. So they're going to make a mistake but they come tell you, 
and you don't yell and scream and you know yeah there's there's a time for punishment and 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 correction but not at the time that they're telling you because then they will never come and tell you again right so okay habibi let's let's see what we can do about it let's fix it later on we can say you know what you did is wrong and you know it should have been handled this other way bardo in a, in a lot and by the way I'm, I'm not like i'm i'm not here preaching i'm learning as i'm telling you this because i i make those mistakes as well um <coughs> so we can allow our kids to make mistakes at home if if he or she makes a mistake at home and we help them fix it or sometimes maybe we shouldn't help them fix it maybe we should let them figure it out on their own that's also another you know technique some things are small enough that it's for their benefit to try to figure out how to fix it, right? Then if that happens when they're in college, away from home, they know how to handle the, the situation or they won't make that mistake because they already made it at home and you know they, they, they learned the lesson. Like, let's take an ex extreme example. Let's say um, they drink and they get drunk, okay, and at home. So you're going to, you know they're they're gonna throw up and they're gonna feel miserable and stuff like that and you know we we have a chance to tell them you know this this is not proper behavior and this is wrong and all of that right that's after you know we help them you know recover right <laughs> not while they are in the mess and we should keep yelling at them so now they learn the lesson but they did it at home when when there's support so now when they go out to college and somebody tells them hey let's get drunk they're gonna remember they're mm, I, I'm not sure I want to do that. I've already done that before, and I didn't like that experience, right? Um, we should also give them limited choices based on their development ability, balancing freedom with responsibility. Um, this also is, is important, that we give them choices that within boundaries that they can, like, work through, right? Like what? They want to buy a toy, right? So we take them to the store. Oh, so we, we have two choices. We can go to the store and buy a toy and give it to them. Here, this is the toy that you're going to get. Okay, maybe they don't like it. Maybe they like it. Or we can take them to the store and we say, you can pick the toy. Okay, but not just open like that. You can pick a toy within, for example, this price range, right? Within like $10 or something right so we give them the option to choose but we we put boundaries we put limitations so they know i can do up to this right and and we can even tell them you know you have like ten dollars to spend you can buy one toy for ten dollars or or you can buy two toys for five dollars right and this actually teaches them like some account accounting and accountability right so they may think, okay, maybe I don't need this more expensive toy. Let me get two toys that I like. You know, each one of them is a little bit less expensive. So they have a ch uh, uh, an option, and they have a choice, and they, you know, within boundaries. Let's say we're we're outside and we're getting some food, right? I can give them a choice. You know, would you like to eat from McDonald's or from Burger King? I give them a choice, right? <coughs> within boundaries. Um, and within their ability, I'm not going to take a child and say, we're trying to buy a house. Can you choose a house for us? Right? That's, that's beyond their ability. They, they can't even comprehend that. Right? I can get their opinion. Like, what do you think of this house? Right? That's okay. I can get their opinion. 
but I, I'm not going to make them make that choice, right? That's that's beyond them. The potential benefits is that the children are self-regulated, they're self-determined, they're cooperative, and they're socially responsible. The downside of this is this is the most difficult parenting style. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort to try to um, to, to get this to work. At the end of the day, we always have a choice, right? In, in the Didache, the, the teachings of the apostles, it says there are two ways, one of life and one of death, but a great difference between the two. And in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, I encourage you to make the right choice. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, so there has to be a choice that I open the door for the Lord, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me, and glory be to God forever. Amen. Are there any questions or comments? Shall we uh, stand up and pray? Find our Lord through the intercessions of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Mark, St. Paul, and all the saints. Hear us, the Lord, pr uh, when we pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God. Amen.